Hey man, let me share with you here. There was a man who grew up on the East Coast. George. Uh, anyway. He loved to spend time at the beach. And for hours he would sit there in the sand and build castles and cities and different things. He loved his creations. But his creations were threatened by some bullies. Because these bullies would come and they would knock over his castles and destroy his cities. And he didn't know what to do because these bullies was bigger than him and there were more of them. So he thought to himself, he said, self, let me change my approach to how I build. So instead, he changed the foundation. Instead of sand, he put rocks and cement blocks for his foundation. Then he continued to build his cities. Well, the bullies came back and he ran off, but he stood at a distance so he could kind of see what was going on. So they started to kick these sandcastles, and all of a sudden they wasn't moving like they used to move. All of a sudden they started injuring themselves. And then they found, you know what, this is not as entertaining as I thought. So then they went on about their business. Now what's the point here? The point here is it all matters as to how you build. How do you build your home? How are you building your marriage? How are you building your finances? How are you building your parenting? How are you building your spiritual life? What you have to look at is how am I building? That is the point there. You know, they say the Tower of Pisa in Italy is one of the most famous buildings in the world. It was constructed, it started construction in 1173, and it was completed in 1399. 226 years to build the Tower of Pisa. But the tower has one problem. Its foundation was so shallow to hold up the building, too shallow of the soil to hold that building up. The tower has stood over 800 years, but yet it leans 18 feet off center. And one day experts say it is going to fall. Why? Because it wasn't built on the right foundation. Look in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is the foundation of a relationship with Jesus. Now you got to hear me out because many of us were taught something different. We came to believe that our evangelism determined our relationship with God. Our times of prayer, our reading, all these things are things that we do. That's not faith. Those are things we do. Now you could do those things in faith. I can faithfully read the Bible and faithfully believe it's going to help me get closer to Jesus. You can do that in faith, or you can just read the Bible because you're supposed to read every day, and then you go on about your business. One changes your life, the other makes you traditional. See, it all depends on your faith. And unless we exercise faith in our relationship with God, there's going to be a shallowness to our foundation which can lead us to leaning a little bit off center. Now, 
Look in John chapter 21. Now I say this because you got to look and realize the longer you become a Christian, the more solid your relationship with God should be. When you first become a Christian, there, there are little things that kind of like, what is this? I don't understand. And little, little, like little gnats just flying around, bothering you sometimes. But as you get older, you need to be able to swat those gnats away and keep moving on. But too often, too many of us can't swat them away. Because our ground is so shallow, we still lean in a little bit. And we don't have the strength to stand firm. In John 21, again, in verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. I'm going to find a way to put this in every sermon I preach, because that is incredible. If every miracle Jesus did was written down, just think, this room would not have enough space for those books. Your apartment, your house, your neighborhood, just think about it. That tells you how many miraculous things Jesus did. Now let me take us on a little journey here. Turn over to Matthew chapter 8. I want to point out some things as we go through this journey here. Matthew 8, we're going to start at at verse 1. We're not going to read it, but we'll start there. Matthew 8. In Matthew 8 verse 1, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Incredible miracle. After that... Now, again, he's on his way to Nazareth. So he's going his way home to Nazareth. And these are, this is like what's going on in his journey. He heals a man with leprosy. Then he comes across a man, uh, a Roman centurion, and he healed his servant. Then after that, Jesus decides, you know what, it's time to eat. He goes over to Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law is sick, so he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then after that, you keep looking. Uh, in verse 16, Jesus calms a storm. Okay, that goes on. And then look in uh, chapter 8, verse 16, when he says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. Everybody that had any illness or sickness came to him and was healed. Now just think of how many people that must have been. He did that all evening. Okay? Then he calmed the storm, and then after that, he heals two demon-possessed men. You're thinking, man, this is a long day. This is the average day for Jesus. Then in chapter 9, Jesus heals a paralytic. And then after that, he calls Matthew, tries to help him there. You look at what's going on there. In chapter 9, verse 18, he heals a dead girl and heals a sick woman from bleeding. Then you keep looking on there. In verse 29, Jesus heals a blind man, blind and mute man. Then you get to verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, all of them, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. He said he went through all the towns and the villages. Preaching, teaching, and healing all the sicknesses is going on. Now imagine, this is what he did on his way home. So you go to work all day. You get off work, and then you come home, and as you're doing this, you got to heal this person, help this person. You think, you know what, I'm kind of hungry. Let me go to the bodega, get a sandwich. 
get in there and the cashier's sick, so you got to heal him just so you can get a sandwich. I mean, this is what he did all the time during the day. And that's why it's not enough books to even talk about it. It just said he heals every disease. They didn't even talk about what these diseases and sicknesses were. They just said everyone. They couldn't even write down how many he did. You're talking about the miraculous faith and power of Jesus. Incredible. But now let's look over in Matthew chapter 13, because there's something that happens here that is just astonishing. Matthew 15, verse 53. Matthew 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. So again, Jesus is doing what he normally does. Let me go to these towns. Let me preach. Let me teach. Let me heal people. It's a normal day. But it says here, again, let's start in verse 54. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do any miracles because of their lack of faith. He's performed so many miracles. Then he gets home, and there's such a lack of faith that he did not do any miracle at all. Now, you can imagine what that must have been like. He is known for doing miracles. People see it. Your family members in other cities are healed. Uncles, cousins, nieces, everybody all over healed. Get there, nothing. Why? Because of their lack of of faith. Again, what scripture did we look at? Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to receive the power and blessings of Jesus. Without faith, your Christianity, my Christianity, lacks a solid foundation. You got to hear me. It lacks a solid foundation. So what happens? Without faith, we'll start to lean. And eventually, we will fall. We say, well, well but, but, but I'm a good Christian. You know what? The Tower of Pisa still looks like a tower. But it's leaning. You can still look like a Christian, but be leaning off in your relationship with God. And then once we start to lean, I know it makes everybody want to cry, but that's all right. When we start to lean, what happens? Then we start to build on what we used to do. In other words, man, I remember the day when we shared it with a hundred people. I remember the day we had like three Bible studies in one day. I remember the day, why are you remembering all those days? Why aren't you doing those days now? And what happens is we start to get upset with the church because those things aren't happening. Again, who's the church? Us! We are the church. 
We can't say the church is faithless. The church ain't faithless. It would be you that's faithless. And this is what we got to see. So what I want to talk to us about today, just two simple things. Two questions. First one is this. Why didn't the people in Nazareth believe? In other words, what led to their lack of faith? They saw the miracles, they heard about it, but what led to this one town not believing in Jesus to the point that he did no miracles? All the other towns believed, but they didn't. The second question is, how can I make sure my faith doesn't turn out like theirs? What caused their problem? I want to know, because I don't want to turn out like that. So, the first question, why didn't the people of Nazareth believe in Jesus? Again, look in verse, chapter 13, verse 53, Matthew 13, 53. Why didn't they have the necessary faith to believe in Jesus? It says there in verse 53, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Now, here's the thing. Intellectually, they knew he could do miracles. Intellectually, they realized his teaching had power and wisdom. So, did they know it? Yeah, absolutely. But then look what happens after that. Verse 55. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get these, all these things? Then they took offense at him. And this is what's amazing. They know he has the power. They know he can do these things. And that's how people are today. They know Jesus. They know God. They believe that God is great. They believe God can do great kind of things. So the belief was there. But then they said, wait a minute. We know his family. And we know what he was like growing up. We know all about who they really are. And they said they started to take offense at him. Why? Because they knew his family. And they were similar to his family. But somewhere along the line, he changed. And now, all of a sudden, they're looking at him like, well, he changed. That means I got to change, and I feel too comfortable. I'm not changing. So the best thing for me to do is to attack him. best thing for me to do is to resist him. Let me talk about it. I remember your brothers were drunk the other day. I remember your sister and what she was wearing. I remember all that. They started talking about his family to discredit and discourage him. Why? Because they were convicted by his lifestyle. They were upset because they would have to get out of their comfort zone. Now, we say comfort zone a lot. What are we really talking about? Comfort zone really means you don't want to deny yourself. That's a comfort zone. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself daily. In other words, there is no comfort zone when you follow Jesus. So if you feel comfortable, the question is, are you leaning? You got to look at it. Am I just comfortable with life? Am I just okay with the way things are? You got to wonder about your foundation. 
Because nowhere do you ever read that Jesus was comfortable. There was always somebody after Jesus. And you know what? If they were after him and he had 12 disciples, I mean they were after his disciples. So anybody that followed Jesus, Satan's coming after you. People are going to criticize you. They're going to attack you. They're going to attack your family. They're going to go all out because they don't want to see you change because that means they have to change. Many times we fall into that trap. We have a theological relationship with God. In other words, we know what he can do. We've read it. We hear about it. But then we become traditional because we don't practice what we preach. We read a Bible, go to church, say a few prayers, then we go on with our lives. It's like Jesus is over here and we're over here. And all of a sudden we start to have an arrangement with Jesus instead of a relationship with Jesus. I tell you what, I'm going to go to church every Sunday, Jesus. I'm going to go, I'm going to throw in a couple of Wednesdays. Gotcha, dog. I'm going to read my Bible now and then. How's that? Then you just kind of hook me up with some blessings here and there when you feel it. We have an arrangement with Jesus instead of a relationship with Jesus. But see, when you do that, you've got to realize this. As a Christian, every once in a while, Jesus moves a little closer. And when he starts to move, there comes a time when Jesus goes from just letting you say you believe something to making you prove whether or not you believe what you say. Why am I going through so many challenges? Because Jesus is tired of hearing you talk about it, and he wants to make sure you actually are doing what you say. We need to go from reading our Bible to living out our Bible. Well, I've read about being my brother's keeper. Okay, if you know that, how well of a brother's keeper are you? In other words, if they're not here today, are you going to call to see how's it going? Are you going to call just to check it? Not be offensive. Not saying, where were you? You weren't there today. What's going on with you, fool? No. But hey, is everything okay? You know, maybe you were there and I just didn't see you. It's 500 some people in here. That could happen. Well, are we even making the effort to make those calls to talk to people? See, sometimes we don't, we don't, we don't do those things because we're afraid how it comes across. Guys, you can't be afraid. If you do it in love, perfect love drives out fear. If you share something and that's how you're feeling and it's wrong, you just say, I'm sorry. I apologize, my mistake. You know what? Please forgive me. I'm just checking up on you because I care about you. And it's all over with. You know, I appreciate Vanessa talking about that. You know, she snapped at some girl because she did whatever in the game. And Vanessa saw it, apologized, and it was over. So many times people are in their feelings and they don't say nothing. And it goes on for years and years and years. And then what happens is, well, they've always been like that. Because they did that to me three years ago. You know what? You're just like these people here who lost their faith. They start talking about Jesus' family and what his family's like and all this and that. Why are you bringing up old history? If you didn't resolve it, now the issue's on you. But see, the problem is, we don't always go resolve those things. You've got to resolve the things you feel 
If not, you're going to lose faith. See, it's not just about the churches. There's no church order or rule on this. We're talking about your faith. Because without faith, it's impossible for you to please God. And if you don't deal with the things that hinder your faith, you're going to eventually fall. So you got to ask yourself, do you really believe what you say? We all can lead Bible studies. Do you believe the things you preach? We can all teach somebody else. Are you practicing what you teach? We're challenging people on being committed to the church. Are you committed to the church? We decide, if you need to be here on time. Are you on time? It's sad when your visitors or people you stay in the Bible with are at church waiting for you to show up. Are you practicing what you preach? See, it all comes down to what kind of foundation do you have? Do you have a leaning faith or a solid faith? You know what a leaning faith looks like? Bye-bye. You have a leaning faith. Or you can have a solid faith. You know, a solid faith is everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Even when the waves come in, they're going to splash. You may get a little wet, but you solid. You straight. There's no issues with that. Now, let me say this. Sometimes God forces us out of our comfort zone in order to prove to us what he can do. See, sometimes we think, he, he's putting me through this challenge so, to show what I can do. It's not about you. It's always about God. And sometimes he puts you in those positions to show what he can do. Amen? God will sometimes allow those. Again, God does not bring harm to your life. Think back to Job. God didn't do anything to Job. Satan did all those things to Job. God just said, you know what? I'm going to remove my protection for a little bit. You can, have, you can do a little bit, but don't do this much. But you can do a little bit. Same with us. It's not God that's making your tire get flat on that trip. It's not God who's making a bus run late for you that day. Satan is doing those things, but God's like, I'm going to allow that to happen. Why? To see their patience. To see if they're going to start getting angry when they get on the bus. See if they're going to punch that bus driver in the face. So I'm going to test it. See, God will sometimes allow a situation simply to ask if you really believe what you claim you believe. Being forced out of our comfort zone is one way we can avoid falling into the trap that they did in Nazareth. They did not want to get out of their comfort zone. One way we can afford that temptation of unbelief, number one, choose to believe, or number two, be forced into proving what you believe. It's a lot easier to choose it than for God to have to force it to you. Because we know what it's like. Even sometimes we pray for humility, and then God puts the most prideful person in your face. And then we get mad at God. Why is he in my life? You just prayed for it. But if it doesn't come the way we want it to come, then we get angry with God. So the first thing, 
We don't want to end up like them, faithless, not having miracles in our lives. So we need to choose to believe and not be forced to believe. Now, how can I grow in my faith? Let me have three, three simple points for us here real quick. The first thing, the way for us to grow, we have to actively watch for him to do something miraculous. We have to actively look for God to do something miraculous. See, so many times we don't see miracles because we're not even looking for a miracle. Jesus does so many things. Even today, he does so many things. Are you even looking for a miracle to happen? You know, one of our, uh, my daughter went with the French Amores to Kenya for the Hope thing uh, in Africa. And they're not here now, they're all at preteen camp. But I was talking to one of the guys who were involved in the Hope thing, and there was in one of our churches, I'm not going to say where, but over in the Middle East, there was a guy that came with bombs strapped on him into our facility. And his plan was to blow it up. And so he went in there because you Christians are changing our people, and we don't believe what you're teaching them is right. So he went in there prepared to kill himself and, and the kids, people, everybody in there. So he went there. And he looked around and saw everything, and then he left. Then the next day, he came back again, strapped up. And he saw everything, and nobody could tell he had his arm. He saw everything, and so he started talking with the people, started talking with the kids, and he left. Then the third day, he came back again, and he said, can I help you out? He not only helped them out in the village, he took his bombs off. He went back to the cells and told them, this place is off limits. You cannot mess with this place. Not only that, he became a Christian and started teaching at the same village that we have over there. Now, it's funny, we're at this conference and you hear somebody telling a story. And I'm like, man, I wonder if that stuff is real. Dude sitting right there in the next row. Yeah, it's real. That was me. Miracles are still happening today. So one, we have to look for the miracles that's going on. I encourage you to look at our website, Disciples of the Day, Hot News. There's so many things going on, guys. Instead of surfing the web for, for the wrong thing, look for something good at the miracles that's going on around the world. And the second thing we could do is we got to pray for something miraculous to happen. Pray for something. Sometimes we don't even pray for it. Even as Christians, we don't pray for miraculous things to happen. Because sometimes we're scared of them actually happening. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, pray for something miraculous in your life or somebody else's life around you. But sometimes we think, well, if I do pray about it and it doesn't happen, then what? Then you know what? You just keep praying. Think about it. God is our Father, and he wants us to ask for stuff. I don't think any of our kids have a problem asking us for money or a ride somewhere. They will keep asking you over and over and over. Even when you say no sometimes, they still come back and ask. You know what? At some point you say, you're getting on my nerves. Get in the car. I'm going to take you where you need to go. Well, I do. My bad. 
Point being, our kids are persistent. We need to be persistent with God and asking for things. Look in James chapter 4, verse 13. James 4, verse 13. It says there, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Everyone, then, who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. It says it's like a mist that appears and then vanishes. You know, when we were at camp, they had this little uh, sprinkler thing, and it was pretty hot. And as it, you know, it sprinkles out, you can just see it kind of misting through there. And you kind of run through it and you kind of get like a whoo, quick refreshing feeling and then it's gone. You're hot again. That's kind of like life for us. To us, we like, man, I'm 50 years old. I'm getting up there. But to God, it's like, just like a mist. Too often, we don't realize life is short. Guys, we were at camp. Now, I'm just going to be real, tell you everything that happened, good and bad. We were at camp, and some kids were playing basketball. They were enjoying it. Some playing soccer. Some playing dodgeball. I was sitting there playing phase 10. I don't know if I know that. But I was, I was beating Nikki and uh, Leah in phase 10. We were beating Leah a lot in phase 10. But anyway, Jesus is Lord. So we're all doing these things, and all of a sudden we look over, and some of the people that worked at the camp were carrying another guy up on the deck. And then he just laid down there. And I'm like, what's going on? So we go over there. This guy had got stung by like five bees, and he was alerted to bees. He couldn't breathe. He was unconscious. He was out. And we're like, okay, we got to get an EpiPen. Get an EpiPen. We'll jab it in there. We're trying to help him. This guy almost died during our camp session. Now everybody else, playing basketball, playing cards, playing dodgeball. And his life almost ended that day. You know, I'm sure he woke up thinking, I'm going to make pancakes for the kids and bacon. I'm going to play around with them. He wasn't thinking, I may die today. This is what I talked to the kids about during my lesson. We are doing all these things and not realizing life is ending for somebody. Are you prepared if that somebody was you? See, we got to think about it even now. If it's you, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, you got any attitudes, anybody you better resolve? Because if you don't forgive your brother, God is not going to forgive you. You study in the Bible. Amen. You study in the Bible. Are you ready? What's taking you so long? You don't know this may be your last day. We live in a jacked up world, guys. You can hardly go to a movie theater. Some people can't even go to school, to a mall. It's crazy people out there. Are you ready if your time comes? We don't know. Our life is like a mist. Oof. It could be gone that easily. Guys, we have to take it serious. We got to look and see how God is still performing miracles. And then thirdly, we need to practice what we preach. 
We all know about Jesus. We believe in him. Well, you know what? So do the demons. What separates us from demons is that we need to practice what we preach. We need to practice what the word of God says. That's the difference. They believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't do anything Jesus said. Unless Jesus gave them orders and commands. Go jump into the pigs. Then they would do it. And some Christians take longer to obey Jesus than the demons did. Jesus told them right away, they obeyed him, jumped into the pigs, and was gone. We read the Bible, it takes us about five months of fasting, six months of prayer, and then still aren't convinced, and then we still got to think about it and feel good before we try it. Guys, we have to practice what we read and preach. If we don't, we're going to start leaning once again. I don't want any of us leaning to the right or to the left or lean back. I want us all to make sure we're standing firm in the spirit of God. Guys, we need to be in each other's lives. We need to pray for miracles. Don't stop praying for your family. Even if they tell you no for five years, you keep praying for your family. Let me close out with this. Jesus did so many miracles, there's not enough room if they were all written down. One of those miracles is every single Christian in this room. Every single person that turns to Jesus is a miracle. So if you're not a Christian yet, you are a miracle in waiting. We need to pray. Because you, your life, your testimonial is a miracle to God. I love you and to God be the glory. Amen.